As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. So we're back for another episode of Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. It's now 50 years since Blessed Paul VI, soon to be St. Paul VI, uh, wrote Humane Vitae. Uh, what's the relevance of this document today? And can you take us through a little bit what it was about? Uh, certainly, Luke. I, I think it's, it is a very appropriate 50 years on to uh, just go back and look at this document, which was produced, of course, in 1968, uh, and and. To ask a question, what is its meaning, its value today? Certainly when it was produced in 1968, it caused a great deal of controversy. There was a a sense in the society that maybe there's a time to change church's teaching. Um, And so when Pope Paul VI came through and and said he believed that the church needed to be consistent in its traditional understanding that the unitive, uh, the expression of love, of union between a man and a woman, and its the procreative capacity, the ability for the sexual act to give life, needs to be preserved. The, the unity between the two needs to be preserved. I think it's, it, it is valuable, uh, 50 years on, just to pause and re-examine that teaching as I said, to a certain extent, there were, there were, there were a lot of people who, who couldn't accept the teaching at the time, and the Pope himself knew that it was going to be very difficult for a lot of people to accept the teaching. But he also was speaking about the fact that, that um, society um, was, was in a, a state of, of change and that he saw, and I think very rightly, that if uh, this truth was abandoned, then it could have very damaging effects upon society. Of course, 1968 was the height of, of so much social turmoil in uh, broadly, particularly in Western civilization. It was a time of the rejection of, of authority in, in many respects. It was the anti-war movement. But in particular, it was the emergence of the, the sexual revolution. So this uh, teaching came out at a time when there was great turmoil, social turmoil, uh, and that, that I suppose in a way that really limited its reception by so many people. They rejected it out of hand because there were so many new movements emerging in the society, particularly in relation to sexuality. And this seemed to be so totally countercultural. But as we look now at society... If you look where Western society has has come to, when we when we look at all the the issues now around the the struggle to maintain a healthy approach to to family and to, and to married life, when we see so many broken families, when we see so many fractured relationships, when we also see too growing confusion about deeper issues about the, say the nature of of sexual identity of gender and so forth. Um, the Pope, in a sense, understood that if, if we abandon the central truth about the link between the, the expression of love and its life-giving capacity, then it was going to be very detrimental uh, to, 
human life, to, to marriages, to families, to individuals, and of course to, to society, one can't help think that he understood clearly the great dangers of abandoning this truth. And that's why he presented, even though at, a, at the time it was very difficult for many people to accept, and still is a, a teaching that many people find it very difficult to accept. Do you mind maybe going into to that point there a little bit more about the, the connection between um, breaking the unitive and the procreative and these kind of social issues that have emerged in the last 50 years? Because um, a person might sort of sit and say, well, what exactly is the connection there? It's a bit of a long bow to draw between saying that contraception's okay and marriage breakdown. What exactly did Pope Paul VI say um, about these issues and predict about these issues? If I could just take one example, he, he after he gave the teaching, he did talk about possible implications of not uh, embracing this truth. Um, for instance, one thing he spoke very clearly of was the possibility what we would call today the objectification of women and, and the way in which uh, women would be not treated uh, appropriately, where, um, where they would not be seen as, as uh, engaged uh, in a, the fidelity of a, of a marriage relationship and that if, if, women, if sexuality was just seen as an end in itself, uh, then, then women would suffer. Now, I, I think, I think in that area, uh, the Pope, I think, has been very right in 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 seeing this. And and one of the effects, I think, has been that uh, the people have lost uh, a, a deep sense of what marriage, the marriage covenant, is about, about the self giving uh, and sacrificial dimension of human love is about. If it becomes more pleasure oriented more seeking personal satisfaction, then marriage suffers because, in a way, people lose a sense of what true married love is meant to be, the fidelity of the marriage commitment, the sense that, that, that marriage is about a self-giving and not just about self-gratification. So I think the, the Pope understood that these were the, the possible effects that... Uh, separating the unitive and the procreative elements of, uh, of sexuality could lead to, and I think it's been very much the case. I guess how do we um, approach the culture today with these fruits of, of Humanae Vitae? How do we present this um, to, to our 21st century culture? This, I think, is, is a very good question to, to explore after, if you like, the, the controversy and the heat of the, the events around of 1968 and the years that followed, 50 years on, maybe we can stand back a bit, uh, not only to revisit the document, its teaching, and also what the, the Pope saw as the possible dangers if this, if, this was, if this teaching wasn't embraced, but to look again now and say, uh, can we see the truth in a way in, with fresh eyes, if you like. And I, I think maybe we're at that point now where we can do that. I, I know I've spoken to a number of Christian leaders um, at different times, not from the Catholic Church, and they, they themselves said, look, we think we too quickly went with the society back in the 1960s. And they're now seeing that merit in the church's teaching uh, through Humana Vitae. 
One of the other things I think that's happening is that young people, I think, are becoming disillusioned with with a life where where sexual gratification where where is 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 the norm, where people are entering into sexual relationships without the intention of of it being an enduring relationship, where young people are starting to wonder whether fidelity is really possible once the culture has kind of embraced this view that, 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 uh, that the sexual expression is an end in itself. I think what we're finding is that people are starting now to think again about this. And, and particularly we're seeing young people say through the teaching of Pope John Paul II in, in uh, what we popularly now call theology of the body, are starting to see now a fresh vision, a fresh understanding of what sexuality really is and how it can enhance uh, human life and how the, the, the idea of, of a marriage covenant is a very beautiful and very positive thing. What we're also seeing is numbers of movements, again, particularly among young people, who want to embrace the virtue of chastity uh, because uh, they're seeing that this is the best preparation for marriage and particularly for the fidelity of marriage. This idea that, that, that love needs to have a degree of self-sacrifice connected with it. If it's just satisfying my personal needs, my personal desires, then it's really a recipe for disaster. It's not going to lay the correct foundations to a, a marriage covenant between two people. So I think 50 years on, it's a time when people are beginning to, if you like, not so much go back to 1968, but, but rather see that, look, there is a truth contained in this document that we really have lost and we really need to discover. So my hope is that as time goes on, we'll find more and more people drawn to the teaching of Humana Vitae to say, now this is right, this is the correct recipe, if you like, for, for marriage, for the true understanding of the self-giving dimension of a marital relationship. So I, so I think there's a chance now, particularly with the anniversary, for people to, to look at it. It's, it's essential teaching, not to see it in a, in, in a negative way. It's not a no document, but to see it as a yes document. To see it as, it's a yes to a truth about marriage, about sexuality, about the, the true way in which human life can realise the joy and beauty of marriage and family. So I, I think we need to see this uh, anniversary as in a positive way, as an opportunity of rediscovering, re-expressing the truths that underlie the teaching of Humana Vitae. And just finally, um, you spoke a little bit before about the way that our culture has has um, has journeyed since 1968, and um, you said that that you know that there's been issues with with marriage, with sexuality. But you also said something about the human person. What does Humana Vitae really have to say, I guess, about the human person itself? Of course, back in 1968, the way the Pope expressed it was very much in terms of the the patterns of, of say theological thought of the day. But he spoke, he had a little section there where he spoke quite specifically about the, the whole idea that there is a, a basic natural 
philosophy and natural theology uh, and natural law. In other words, the way in which God created us, um, there are inbuilt truths in this. And he's saying that really the idea of linking the, the marriage, the unitive and the procreative elements of marriage, really are just simply the natural law, really God's, and I like to say, God's good plan for human life. I think this is uh, the thing that is uh, important when we, when we talk about it today. I believe there is a natural law. Some people don't like the term, but there is a, a, a truth here that God created human beings very, with very deliberate purpose and built into human beings the means by which human life can flourish and be beautiful and be good. It's discovering that, embracing that and living that that, uh, that is important. That's why I think I have great hope that actually at this stage, given what's happening in our society, given the fact that so many things are not working uh, at the present moment, people will revisit this and say, no, there is a natural law. There is a way in which we've been created. And as I often like to say, for best results, follow the maker's instructions. I think if we understand how God created us, what his intention was for things like the nature of the human person, the nature of sexuality, the nature of the marriage covenant, if we, if we understand these and grasp them and appreciate them, then we'll set ourselves on paths which will be ultimately for human flourishing. That's a good message of, of hope to end on, I think. Um, so thank you once again uh, for, for joining me for Grace and Truth. Um, and we'll speak with you next time. Thank you, Luke. You have been listening to Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.